Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, welcome back to the New Books Network. What may seem dumb and funny to some may be violent for others. What may seem deviant is someone's lived reality. What is unknown to one person is another person's canon. What may be awkward for you may not be for me. To quote the table of contents from Mary Capello's incredible source of inspiration for us, Awkward, the detour. Backward, untoward. Cumbersome, precarious, opposed, untraceable. Reversed, tongues, touch. Ill-mannered, tactless, unfinished. Mismatched, belated. Incomprehensible, anxious, tethered, paralyzed, clueless, unnatural. Hands and eyes, perverse, embarrassed, faceless, faces. Arms, hands, bear-like, ignorant, drunk, maladjusted, uncoordinated, incongruous, cramped, homeward, teeth, afterward, tongue-tied, becoming, unbecoming, obscene, inappropriate, unnamed, exposed, overcultivated, ass-backwards, inward, wrong, wayward, inconsistent, untutored, fumbling. Our bodies are archives, and when we encounter archives, our situatedness, our positionality affects how we judge, think about, relate to archives. Awkwardness is thus a relational and situated concept, which is built on but extends beyond discomfort, difficulty, pain, or trauma. We may want to create awkwardness, or sometimes awkwardness embarrasses. Sometimes embarrassment is a strategy of exposure, of self-irony. Awkwardness exposes. It reveals laden value judgments, moral frameworks, and ways of doing and thinking. Awkwardness may be about something that once was easy, now is uneasy. It may be about the negotiation of how we want things in the future. It is a troubling concept both in the sense that it is difficult to handle and that it may activate trouble. It may reveal something that has not been troubling before, or it may point to ways of resolving conflicts. Or yet another possibility, it may propose to be awkward together. We took awkwardness not as a judgment itself, but as a useful heuristic into thinking about modern ideologies, according to which we organized the book sections. Freedom, colonialism, folk, property, nature, sexuality. By conceptualizing the relation between awkwardness, heritage, and ideology, we draw on discussions with scholars of difficult heritage, sensitive collections, the former West, and multidirectional memory. We build on several years of thinking and doing fieldwork together in Berlin 
where we work through the public role of anthropology. We call this project based on our first book, Across Anthropology. Every archive we approached for us revealed a problem, a typical problem, a modern problem, an ideological problem. The archives we chose reveal in our views awkward, that is, difficult problems that cause disquieting frictions. And with Anat Singh, we believe that these frictions, quote, awkward, unequal, unstable, and creative qualities of interconnection across difference, end of quote, arise because the archives we chose reveal some of the pervasive mechanisms of modern ideologies that sit uncomfortably in the contemporary world. For us to work in Berlin was a challenge since it is an archival city with two former states observing one another, affecting the way in which archives emerged after the former East-West division. The archives we worked on are firmly situated in this turbulent legacy. We worked directly with archive producers or archivists with whom we discussed how their own discomfort became a productive and troubling heuristic. This book highlights the archiving troubles, the awkward labor that archivists invest when working against normative categories, shifting across binary taxonomies, translating analog into digital data, analyzing photographs that go against their own politics or storing objects they find appalling. It is a flip book, workbook, draft, unfinished, and to be ripped apart, pastiched, collaged, cut apart, reshuffled, remixed. It is a modular curriculum to be taught, criticized, expanded upon. It is a free and open access book to be translated, used, paraphrased, footnoted. It is a book to be put to use. Each module consists of a portrait of the archive, an interview, a visual constellation of material from the archive, and exercises that introduce an ethnographic method to the reader. The idea is that the curriculum ever remains incomplete in the sense that it will be put to use in different contexts, which will inevitably cut, add, complement what we consider only drafts. And my name is Adam Bobek. I'm your host for this episode, and I'm a PhD candidate in sociocultural anthropology at the University of Leipzig. And I am very honored to welcome back to the program Margarete von Oswald and Jonas Tinius to talk about their new book, Awkward Archives, Ethnographic Drafts for a Modular Curriculum, published in 2022 with Archive Books. Margarete von Oswald is a sociocultural anthropologist and postdoctoral research fellow based at the Center for Anthropological Research on Museums and Heritage at the Humboldt Universität zu Berlin. She is currently curatorial research fellow of Mindscapes, an international cultural program by the Wellcome Trust UK. Jonas Tinius is a sociocultural anthropologist and associate member at the Center for Anthropological Research on Museums and Heritage as well at the Humboldt Universität zu Berlin. He is currently scientific coordinator and postdoctoral researcher in cultural anthropology in the ERC project, Minor Universality, Narrative World Productions After Western Universalism at Saarland University. Together with Margarete, they were both on here a couple of years ago to promote their book, Across Anthropology, 
Troubling Colonial Legacies, Museums, and the Curatorial, which was published in 2020. Margarete, Jonas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Could you talk about what inspired this book? I know you mentioned it a little bit already. Could you talk about what inspired this book and what are awkward archives? One of the starting points for this book was fieldwork that we did um, in the in the in the run up to our first book across anthropology, um, and I think it's important to note that we were working in a context in which, of course, theoretical concepts like difficult heritage, sensible sammlungen, and other other concepts were being developed partly by um, by Sharon McDonald and Rita Lange and other colleagues that, of course, inspired us to think about uneasy heritage, about the inconvenience of certain ways. Um, in which pasts break through into the present. But in particular, in fieldwork that we did together, we encountered various other forms of difficulty and, and unease in dealing with heritage and, and curatorial work. And one of those, um, let's say, articulated uneasinesses was um, with the curator Linhan Balatbat Helbock, who works um, at the contemporary art space Savvy Contemporary, and when I was doing research on this, uh, on, on, on this institution, we spoke about a particular archive that is also featured in, in, in Awkward Archives, the Colonial Neighbors Archive Project of Savvy Contemporary, about which we can say a, a word more in a moment, which essentially collects everyday objects from the era of German colonialism, which are then donated or, or, or which are based on voluntary donations from Germans, from people in the neighborhood, essentially, who... Um, find these in their attics and their cellars and can give them to the archive. And in this interview, she spoke about the difficulty of dealing with things that she doesn't actually want to keep. Stuff that she was saying is essentially garbage. She doesn't want to have it. They're, they're insignificant objects in themselves. They don't have any particular aesthetic value. And she doesn't even want to elevate them on a pedestal by curating them. And yet at the same time, they tell a story that is so important. And it was this very idea of the of 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 the of the of the shot that she had to deal with, the rubbish, the trash that she didn't want to touch, didn't want to curate, that was one of the important elements for us to begin thinking about um, awkwardness as a category. Another um, kind of context that was really important is that we've were kind of commissioned to do this book by the Haus der Kulturen der Welt, a cultural institution in Berlin. Um, um, that asked us basically to work through different practices of archiving um, as part of their, their five-year-long project, The Whole Life, which looked at a whole network of different archive institutions in Germany and tried to connect them amongst each other and kind of did exhibition programs, conferences, etc. And so the Haus der Kultur in der Welt asked us to kind of do something with regards to their own method of investigating archives, which was focusing on practices. So um, that's kind of how the idea of really looking at how this is done came into place. And that's also why we focus so much on the actual doing, working in being confronted with on a daily basis of archive making. So in the book, you, uh, you refer to this as a modular curriculum, of course, but it's also part of a series called nomadic curriculum. Could you talk about what it means to be a modular curriculum and also what nomadic curriculum means? 
So I think this kind of builds on what I just explained with regards to the context of making this book. So the whole, um, one of the main ideas of how work, how curatorial work, but also academic work is being thought in the Haus der Kultur und der Welt is very much in kind of thinking about different contexts in which we can do those. So our idea was really that um, because we are both based at the university to kind of try to take what we've learned, um, for example, in teaching um, in, in, in our institute um, and also with regards to anthropology as a discipline beyond the discipline, beyond the university context. So by being invited by a cultural institution that for us kind of was a really good um, circumstance basically to think about how we could think about ways in which these practices that we were thinking about, the kind of awkwardness, the um, these these archives raised, but also the ideologies that were behind it, how to kind of be able to, to teach those kind of things um, in different kind of situations. And we really thought of going beyond the university context, but also beyond the exhibition context and kind of think of this to, to be really taught in very, very different kind of sp spaces, places also at your home, in, in your home, or um, at one point we had this discussion of doing it, yeah, in, in someone's room or just like in a cafe and and um, and to, um, and to the idea of making it as a modular curriculum was really that idea that, in that the book consists of seven different modules that you can kind of take apart and also use individually that even each module consists of different parts that we kind of raised also already in the introduction. So each of the module basically has a very short introduction to the module, then it has an, has an interview in it with one archivist. It has material from the archive itself, as well as exercises to kind of engage with the archive. So the idea was really to, to be able to use it as a whole, as a book, which then is a curriculum basically that you can teach throughout an entire semester, or to take the different part, um, pieces and kind of do with them. Each, if you, for example, do a, um, as, um, a course on colonialism itself, you could just take the colonialism um, module or, yeah, just to kind of make it adaptable. And for us, us, it was really important also that it was open access because of that reason, because we wanted people to kind of be able to print it at home, to kind of really work with the text. Um, and obviously having it in open access format kind of facilitates or makes this a lot easier. Something else I should add about the, the idea of the word modular and the term curriculum is that the term curriculum came to some extent from the Haus der Kultur und der Welt. It had been doing projects um, with this uh, word in the title. But for us, it meant it had an immediate practical implication since we are not merely research scholars, but also teach and evolve and, 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 and compose our research in dialogue with students and in dialogue with what you could call, I think more, more rightly, pedagogic iterations. Um, so we don't necessarily just think of something which we teach to somebody where we um, give a, a series of lectures in which people learn what we have to say, but we see this as a work in progress that students take somewhere else or that other teachers might take somewhere else and develop further. Um, it is for this reason also that we conceptualized already the first book across anthropology as one step in a series of iterations. That is to say, the book itself is not the final, the end product after which we don't consider this process anymore, but it's really the starting point for conversations. 
And so, for instance, we're very much looking forward to being in conversation with archivists from other contexts beyond Berlin to compare and in some ways to do what is so central to anthropology, which is to, to see how differently um, certain kinds of concepts articulate in different, in different places. And so for us, it was central to think about modularity because we didn't want to give the modules an order. They are in the linear order of the book, but they're not numbered for that reason, for instance. It's also one of the reasons why the book is in the way that it is. You probably can't see it now, maybe from the printed out version, but if for some reason you have it in your hand, um, you will see that it's very easy to thumb through, to leave through because it has cutouts on the side and it allows you to flip to every module and have every module as a new cover. And that allows you really to see this book as something that you can take apart. It's also with a ring binder, so you can literally very easily uh, pull it apart, as we invite you to. Um, and this was something that Archive Books as a publisher really took very seriously and understood right from the very beginning, that for us, this is it's a draft. These are drafts that are supposed to take us further. They're not encyclopedic conclusions on each of these rather enormous themes. I have to say the first thing that struck me when I got this in the mail was the, was the format. It's so brilliant. We should add that this was done in collaboration with a wonderful um, uh, duo of designers called Untitled, um, Untitled Duo. Um, they worked very closely with uh, Archive Books and it was Archive that decided um, as an organization, Chiara Figone, the founder and publisher, to bring in these brilliant designers that really were in dialogue with us for so long to try and find a format that could correspond to its use because it's meant to be put to use. That was very important to us. So you didn't, you didn't number the modules. However, you do have six modules, right? How did you decide on these six modules? Um, so basically, each of the modules has a has a little bit of a different story. So um, we decided to start with um, the module on freedom and the Haus der Kultur und der Welt because they were basically the they basically commissioned the book and they were for us also a really central organization in Berlin that we would regularly go to and and what was really interesting about them is that they actually don't have an archive and they're in the process of archiving themselves. And that's why we thought it was really important um, to, to discuss um, what uh, the, with its director. Um, yeah, Jonas is, <laughs> makes, me some, makes some eye signs. So he, he wants to intervene. <laughs> I just wanted to add that by taking the house of world cultures itself as a subject of the book, of course, we're kind of articulating also what's central to, to the kind of anthropological fieldwork we want to do, which is not just to do research on, but to actually collaborate with the institutions and the players and the curators and actors that we work with and to consider them, as it were, as, as epistemic partners. Um, so it was both, as it were, research back to the institution, but also a collaborative means of working with them. Um... So the, <laughs> the second module is colonialism, which, as Jonas already explained, was one of the kind of conceptual point of departures um, for this book because of his his the different interlocutors he worked with as part of his fieldwork on Savi Contemporary, and in particular, um, the kind of exchanges he has had with uh, Linhan Baladbad Helbock, who is the curator of the Colonial Labours Archives and who really kind of um, started this process of thinking about awkwardness 
through this engagement with German colonial heritage. Um, then um, folk and sexuality are, are two modules that are basically um, kind of grew out of the, the, the Karma network, so the Center for Anthropological Research on Museums and Heritage that we work very closely with. Um, and um, so um, Hannes Hacke is a PhD student at, at Karma, and, and we really thought that this idea of sexuality was, was so important to highlight, and the and Falk with Franka Schneider is, is actually an archive that is housed in our own institute. So we really also kind of wanted to, to think through um, what is physically placed where we are also located. Nature is to some extent also a continuation of this, of this collaborative network that we established because Tahani Nadim um, is, a, is another Karma colleague, but somebody who, um, as was central to the work at Karma, is placed both in the Institute of European Ethnology and a museum, in this case, the, uh, the Museum für Naturkunde Berlin. And it was problematizing one of the central processes, transformation processes in museums nowadays, which are digitization processes. And so for us, this was another link to work with not only one of the most visited museums in this country um, and on an absolutely central theme and a central ideology, nature, but also with, again, a collaboratively thinking um, colleague. And property, which is problematizing the database uh, of German colonial punitive expeditions, which is with Jan Legal, um, a postdoc uh, colleague uh, from the TU Berlin, um, came about because it problematizes one of the most central research networks, uh, projects um, uh, at present in the city, but also moreover, started by Benedict Savoie, which is dealing with the restitution of knowledge. So it is a deliberate selection. It is not a concluding selection. It is a starting point for us to think. Um, and we should also say that one of the reasons why we chose these archives and why we mixed, for instance, something like just a few plastic boxes full of difficult objects in a, in a, in a side tract of Savi contemporary vetting with a collection that is essentially problematizing Cameroonian objects in the Humboldt Forum or with the Museum of Natural History, is that for us awkwardness allows us to go beyond binaries such as independent, non-independent, hegemonic, counter-hegemonic, alternative, mainstream. These were often concepts that were used in conversations uh, with, with colleagues or with public or with students, but they inaccurately grasped the sort of archives that we were interested in and especially the way into an archivist's life and their problems um, at work. So that's why the archives are deliberately going a little bit across um, perhaps unusual differences. And you've talked about this a little bit, but could you maybe say a little bit more about how you decided on whom to interview for each of the modules? So we were really interested, um, as we already said, by archiving practices. And so we always contacted one person that was that was in that carried the responsibility for this one archive that we wanted to kind of engage with, and um, not not only on a conceptual level but also really with a hands-on um, kind of practical approach. So, um, for example, um, Hannes Hacke was really um, the person with regards to the Naomi Bilzig art collection who was responsible for doing the entire digitization process of this collection and 
could this really talk about the the everyday of of the everyday troubles of of thinking about but then also categorizing um different objects that some of some of whom are really violent into into a um a university database it was also for us important as margarita hinted that we focused on practices um, that could be reflected upon by, um, by by archivists. This was partly because we wanted to see archives and archiving practices not just as, as it were, storage points of documents about the past, but as we say at the beginning of the book, as places that allow for new questions to emerge about the present, that are problematizing the present in kinds of ways, and that are also constantly changing that are constantly asking new questions. The, the idea of nature, for instance, as, as, as almost a taken for granted point has been so troubled and upset by discussions initiated, you know, in part by anthropologists such as Philippe Descolas or Eduardo Viveros de Castro, which has suddenly uprooted to some extent the taken for grantedness of our understanding of nature. And that paired with digitizing processes meant that for us, it was important to, to see where these troubles are actually not just troubles that you work against, as we have seen in uh, many kinds of ways, for instance, with the Humboldt Forum, where essentially a post-colonial critique was initially on the, quite literally, on the outside of the institution and then strategically incorporated. But we wanted to work with people such as Tahani Nadim, for whom these, for whom this awkwardness, as she was saying, the awkwardness of of scanning insects, tiny insects in an enormous machine, which we partly um, have photographed in, in the book and you can see it and turning these elaborate little objects, uh, sorry, these elaborate little subjects, we should rather say, into ones and zeros. And to assume that for some reason that would solve the problem of, uh, of the construction of nature, but actually it doesn't. It doubles, as she says, the troubles um, of how we construct um, things that are not, not human and how we construct something that is called uh, nature. So it was really important for us to work with with archivists who were addressing these awkwardness as a problem um, and who were using that and were, were reflecting on it and, and not shying away from asking those questions and actually also not hiding them in their practices and in the way in which they curate. And so I think it would be really great for listeners at this point if we zoom in on one module to give people a taste of the book. And so we, uh, we decided on the module for Folk. Could you introduce this module for listeners? <clears throat> so this, um, the module um, is on the Hane Niehoff archive, which is situated at the Institute of European Ethnology, and which basically is a is an archive of photographs that were taken between the nineteen um, twenties and nineteen um, forties by the anthropologists and photogra- photographers Hans Hane and Heinz Julius Niehoff. And um, our point of departure is a conversation with Franka Schneider, who is an anthropologist um, and has for a long time worked on um, traditional German costumes and who is now a curator at the Four Textile, actually, at the Museum of European Cultures in Berlin-Dahlem. And so basically, um, um, the, the, the kind of conversation that we've um, done with her is called, it is the unmarked 
that goes unaddressed. And this is very much what what um, what kind of um, pushed our thinking about awkwardness with Franca. So basically, what she describes, or what what is um, what the archive consists of, what these photographs kind of document, is the attempt um, in a strong ideological racist setting of um, capturing Germany and its folks, so German, the German nation. Um, and what we found very interesting uh, and why we chose to integrate this, um, this module is also because we are in our project across anthropology really interested in working through the histories and presence of anthropology as a discipline. So for, for us, it was key to, to work um, with an archive that is part of this history and to, to think about how you can engage with the kind of ideolo the ideology of racism that is incorporated in in that um, in that discipline as well, and um, yeah, maybe I, I pass to you quickly. Yeah, a few other things that might be interesting just for for for, for readers and listeners to, to capture this briefly. So the photographs that were taken between 1920 and 1945 um, have led to a collection that is based, yes, in the Institute of European Ethnology, but also in the Museum of European Cultures and in various other places and archives in Halle, Marbach, uh, and the Brandenburg Academy of Sciences and Humanities. And it's for that reason that already um, this archive shows something about the way in which, um, you know, an entity such as an archive is, in fact, really a distributed body of, of different things. In this case, um, a body of, of documents that contains some 39,000 negatives in 35 millimeter format on 1,100 uncut rolls. Um, and what's interesting for Franca is that she decided to treat these photographs as photo objects, that is to say, as objects that need to be considered in their immediate context. So in the exhibition that she has prepared uh, over many years um, for the so-called Humboldt Labor in the Humboldt Forum, where in a very small section, um, you can actually see the results of, of, of her work on this archive. She has decided to show you the way that these, that the negatives and the way that the developed photographs were placed on a development sheet, including the notes taken, including the way in which some abandoned photographs that weren't being used were used as page dividers in a folder, for instance, and to treat really this whole context as part of a story, but also to use this materiality in order to distance herself from the, as it were, the, the, the dangers of an aestheticization of these objects. Because what she is saying is that one could very easily address this archive by simply looking at a joyful kids playing, pleasurable festivities, which some of which we reproduced uh, also in the visual constellation of the archive. Um, but at the same time, if you don't have this curated distance, the curated uh, estrangement, as it were, from the narrative that the photographers were trying to establish, you miss something fundamental. And what you miss is what Franca has called a programmatic gap. That is to say, a gap of those things that were not archived because they didn't adhere to the archiving principle, which in this case was to represent Germanness. Hence, it is the unmarked that goes unaddressed. So folk, in some ways, is, 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 is so incredibly awkward in relationship to this, um, 
really racially inspired uh, archive because it simply doesn't show you acts of violence. It simply doesn't show you the ideology in a, in a brutal and concrete in your face way. And all of the modules have sort of this similar format, right? Where you start with the title and then you have a brief introduction and then you offer further material for people. And then you have the interview, which is really the chunk of the module followed by photos, exercises, potentially for students and references, right? Could we maybe uh, go through them for this, for this module? I think that would be really like, nice for listeners. Absolutely. So we decided in some ways to start the module, to start each module with what we call an editorial note. Essentially, this is really the beginning of a, of a Steckbrief. I don't know what the best English translation of this term would be, but it's supposed to be a very brief summary of the situation, the history, and the context of the current archiving practice, as it were, that we problematize. These are usually quite short and very concise, and they provide further material. This further material is deliberately not an exclusive reference list of possible publications on the theme of folk, because that's simply impossible and we didn't want to strive to pretend that we could uh, provide this, but it focuses very specifically for each module on the publications that have come out of the practices of this archive. So there are always publications that very specifically refer to this archive or have been produced by archivists so that students can basically already, by working on this archive, get a sense of the ethnographic context. So they're already in the fieldwork, as it were. And and then we always follow up with an interview where we had um, a few questions that were always um, the same in each of the archives and with each of our interlocutors, were, which are also quite basic questions. So what kind of archives do you work in? What is your role? How is the archive being archived, so what are the practices involved, and um, what kind of problems does the, do these archives raise for you? And I just want to quote Franca quickly when she talks about why or what kind of what, what the concept of awkwardness does to her, because that's also something that we always kind of discussed with with those um, that we talked to, because the the awkward awkwardness was definitely something that we we wanted to address in particular. So I'm just going to quote her. Um, I should start by saying that I have always had this feeling of awkwardness when researching this archive. It is the result of a very critical stance, or a stance that has reflected critically on the history of one's field of research. I know that the production of such photographs during the Nazi regime was not only a good fit, so to speak, and conforming, but was an integral part of the Nazi ideology of a people, of German ethnicity, of this whole peasant blood and soy ideology. Archiving and photographing helped produce ideology. So this, in some ways, the reason why we, we posed similar questions was, of course, again, we did this in, in across anthropology as well, to have things, com to, to produce comparable um, material that students could work with. So if, for instance, they were interested in, 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 in how archiving practices are being discussed by archivists, they would have a series of answers that, that they could compare. And of course, sometimes also in conversations, different things emerge that wouldn't necessarily emerge in, let's say, a written, uh, purely written form. And the interview therefore itself is already introducing, and this is really central to us, because it's not just a book about awkwardness and about archives, 
but it's fundamentally also a book about doing field work um, and teaching, um, you could say, multimodal anthropology, um, which of course always includes interviews. And it's so interesting that to some extent it is often thought that interviewing is essentially the central anthropological practice, being somewhere deep hanging out and interviewing people. And of course, that's not merely um, what it is about. But in some ways, the interview itself is already also a way of showing um, one aspect of, of anthropological fieldwork. And what makes this um, similar also to the Colonial Labels Archive so interesting is that basically what Franca highlights when she talks about awkwardness is that um, is that it's that you personally personally relate to those images. So she she mentions that when she looks at the pictures of festivities, um, if this could, for example, be her grandmother, she recognizes things. And then this, as Jonas already said, this kind of um, forcing herself afterwards to then kind of take critical stance and think about what is actually not shown in the pictures, what is deliberately excluded from them, um, and what kind of image in that case of German folk is being produced through that, um, that particular way of, of taking photographs. And then, um, so we are, what, what we found really important um, um, kind of building on the archive is that you could actually kind of experience what what is in the archive. So we wanted to really reproduce um, like a kind of facsimile um, things that you could encounter in the archive. And so for for the folk archive, um, as as uh, we already said, we were in particular interested in in kind of situating that archive in the discipline of anthropology. So the first image you can see is um, a photo record sheet. So you can see the image, the photograph, but you also see the way in which it was, um, as part of anthropological research, um, put on a, a sheet which also, for example, noted um, kind of the context of, of that image. So where it was taken, who would who, who took it? Um, um, when, so, sorry? When, when it was when, taken. When, um, but also um, that gives space to basically um, some sort of interpretation of the person who took it to, to really kind of create research data. Um, this um, kind of record sheet is followed by a the reproduction of a negative. Um, maybe you want to go ahead and, and explain the negative. In yes, and in this case, we've chosen together with Franca um, a negative role, which of course already is a little bit difficult to reproduce um, on, on a piece of paper printed. But this is one that was deliberately inverted, um, because in this case, it is actually one of the few images that really shows, as it were, an explicit ideology. Um, and in this case, you see a, a, a meeting, um, a gathering in uh, in Querfurt um, after 1933. It's a detail of a 35 millimeter film taken by Hans Julius Niehoff. Um, and in this case, you see a gathering of men uh, dressed in uniforms. Uh, it's actually could be to some extent a meeting of, uh, of, of, of the Hitler Jugend. Um, where you see a lot of people uh, making uh, a Nazi salute. And in this case, this photograph is deliberately um, in inversed, so you can't quite recognize it in the same kind of way. And these, for instance, are moments that uh, Franca has chosen herself in order to show that this is itself an object that is being treated in a scientific way, in a curatorial way, um, so as not to allow for this to be simply reproduced in an affirmative uh, kind of way. 
it's similar with in some way the the next two photographs i mean just as examples the photograph afterwards is actually one that she's chosen to highlight also in the exhibition in the humboldt forum because it shows at first glance a number of girls with braided hair in sort of cute little i don't know uh, school outfits maybe in the street talking cheerfully but there's on the side of the image a boy that directly looks at the photographer and she has chosen in of course an interpretive uh, manner to see this as a moment in which you are also becoming conscious of yourself the satrian moment of uh, you recognize that you're being recognized um, and these kinds of these kinds of moments um, are important um, for this particular archive i think in general we should just say that we call these these facsimiles these items that we reproduce after the interview visual constellation of the archive as field and the reason we did that is because we wanted not just photographs that as it were show just objects and nothing else but that provide you with some idea of the context and of the type of materiality that you would encounter um, in this field and so the last part of each of the um, of each of the modules is always consists of a method and then of an exercise and so um, with regards to folk we um, we discuss the method of exhibition making and then in the exercise we ask um, we ask um, to we ask the, the student or the person who engaged with the archive to curate um, um, curate this archive in an exhibition and including also the description of captions for example so kind of um, all the difficulty of, of um, working with this archive that actually doesn't necessarily show the violence it, in, it incorporates um, to think about how, how to deal with such an archive in an exhibition con context. And the reason why we have a small abstract, as it were, for or on the method that we introduced through the exercise is that we wanted like Margarita said, students or anybody who engages with, uh, you know, archivists themselves, researchers themselves, to understand that each field, each practice allows and affords to some extent also a different anthropological mode of engagement. So in each of the cases, you can use a particular method and think about the way in which anthropological provenance research, autoethnography, sketching, walking, the consultation of maps, the creation or the, 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 the creation of an exhibition proposal, the, the, the writing of captions, how each of these things are actually means of doing research and means of understanding each of these archives. So it's very, very important for us that this is that this again triggers an activity and that each archive beca becomes not just a finished object that one looks at and studies, but that one uses that archive too. So the module is about the Hannah Niehof archive. Could you talk a little bit maybe now about some of the challenges that the archive has faced? The problems that the archivist and the archive has faced. In this particular instance, the problem is very, very central, essentially the one central to the book, which is how do you deal with objects, with photographs, with um, things and discourses? that are not only fundamentally politically different from your own, but that are problematic, that are dangerous, that as in the case of uh, the exhibition itself, we visited the, the archive uh, with students uh, of a seminar that we're teaching 
this semester on this book, based around this book. Um, and we went to the exhibition and one of the students um, asked whether Franca feels responsibility for the possibility that somebody may go into this archive and see these photographs as affirmative of Nazi ideology. And of course, we live in times in which um, this question painfully is remains contemporary and acute and relevant. And so it is really the fundamental question of how you deal with things that you don't necessarily want to show. How do you curate things, objects that may be painful to some and maybe affirmative and useful, let's say, um, for others. And it's really this difficulty that awkwardness also captures, the, the fact that you cannot simply say one thing is bad, one thing is good. Um, because at a certain moment, in this case, of course, it's a, it's a bit more clear and um, because we're, we're anti-fascist and not non-violent, but it can always be used in a different kind of way. And we wanted um, to show the central difficulty of dealing with something that is goes against your own uh, convictions, your own ideologies, but yet how to do this without simply judging the material at hand and allowing visitors um, who, who, who experience these archives to form their own opinion about it. So this, I think, is the main difficulty, really, um, in this case, with, with the archive. I think also what is what, what she highlighted um, several times in the archive is this kind of effective dimension of actually working with these archives. And we all know that archives are really political places, um, um, and that's also something that, in general, we wanted to highlight with, with also our choice um, of actually working through ideologies themselves to really show how political they are and how they also form our worlds. But then how when you actually work in them and you have to take everyday decisions, how that also affects you personally and, and, um, and that it's not easy decisions to take um, of showing, of not showing, of naming, of especially in an exhibition context, something that she was faced with all the time is that the context is 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 violent and and really important but that the images actually don't show um this violence so how in very little words do you explain the racism that is inherent and how do you convey that to an audience that might not expect that kind of archive in that particular corner in that very very dark yeah dark corner of of the of the um Humboldt forum so um, that's also so, this affective dimension was something that we really uh, wanted to address with this book. And of course, this is why this, this, this module was so important to us. It addresses the history of what is in this, in this case, in this institution called European ethnology. I love this book 100%. Everyone needs to check it out. There is a tradition on the New Books Network, and that is to ask, what are you working on now? So I'm working on a book called uh, The Resonant Museum, which um, is the result of, a, of this project Mindscapes that um, you mentioned in the beginning where I've been working on for, for two years. So I'm yeah, looking forward to holding this book in my hands very soon. <laughs> yes, we're concluding today, uh, first of all, our semester teaching this book. So that's, uh, that's the first thing we're going to be doing right after this podcast. Um, but apart from that, I am, to some extent, bringing to a close the ERC project, Mali Universality, that I'm working on, and we're publishing uh, an open access uh, volume on the book. 
and I'm writing my habilitation um, that is essentially on this whole complex of curatorial practices that trouble universal museums. Fantastic. And I look forward to having you both on again sometime. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank Adam. you so much, Great Adam. Great speaking to you. Thank you. The book is Awkward Archives, published in 2022 with Archive Books. Margarete, Jonas, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.